Hello, in this bonus episode of the Consultancy Business Podcast, the importance in consulting of sticking to your area of expertise. I'm Phil Lewis, and this is the podcast that helps you build the consultancy nobody else can. Joining us this time is business consultant and advisor Barbara Marcella. She has a golden rule that she sticks to. She only works with people in areas she's had direct, personal experience of managing. What can we learn from this approach and why is it effective? I hope you enjoy this chat with Barbara. My name is uh, Barbara Marchel and I am a business consultant and advisor operating here in London. Barbara, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Give us a sense then of how you ended up doing this kind of work because you started, as I did years ago actually, in advertising and marketing by the looks of it. And now you've ended up doing this much more elevated sort of board level work so what was the what was the journey for you from where your career started to where you are now I started out in uh, an advertising agency and uh, thankfully it was a global advertising agency, uh, TBWA, which is still around. I must say that that for me was like a world-class uh, uh, school in terms of uh, business um, behavior, uh, understanding the commerciality of brands and businesses. So I, I learned a lot there, but the main experience uh, that is feeding everything I do as a, as a consultant, as being the managing director of a telecom company here in the UK. I was a director there and then a managing director for 11 years. And we took that company from very, very small to, uh, I mean, I was employee number six uh, uh, and it was turning over just a few hundred thousand pounds to uh, 120 people, just over a 20 million pound turnover. And we were able to sell it. So all of that journey is actually what informs uh, my practice and the, ki- the kind of services I offer to clients. Um, I think the clients are always very comforted by the fact that they are talking to someone that has done it themselves. So it's not just uh, the theory, it's also the practice and uh, the direct experience I've had in running a company. It's rarer that than it should be, I feel, in consultancy. Mm. The fact that you consult in things that you actually have direct experience of. Mm. To what extent do you think it's absolutely essential that in consulting and in related disciplines, like sort of mentoring or broader advisory work, that consultants or those of us doing that work have direct experience on the other side of the table? I think that if you work uh, in um, in my field, which is mainly focused on growing a business, more often than not preparing it for exit of the founders uh, or the top management, I think that in this remit, it's, it's almost essential because it's not about applying theories, it's not about just applying models, which of course are important. You need to have your knowledge and you need to have your culture, business culture, uh, readily available. But it's about spotting all the dynamics and all the trends that happen during the growth of a business, during the that phase before, you know, private equity comes in or before bigger investors come in. The most successful 
consultants, I know business advisors, I know they've all come from running a business themselves or having a direct experience in running a business in management and leadership. It seems to me, I mean, I agree with you, by the way, and it seems to me that if you're working with leaders, so if you're working at the CEO or managing director level, I feel as though you have to have been on a growth journey and you have to have sat in that leadership chair on that growth journey to fully understand what those dynamics are. You wouldn't be able to be as prompt and as uh, strategic as you can be if you have done the journey. Some things you may not even recognize or some patterns you may not even recognize or some needs. As a consultant, it's always important to be that one, two, three steps ahead of the company and the client because you are uh, helping them plot in the future. You almost need to be already in the future uh, assessing and understanding, okay, in three months, this is what we need to do. In two years, this is what needs to be ready. Otherwise, I think um, they just need a good manager. They just need a good uh, executive. They don't need a consultant. What it does bring up for me, Barbara, is something I'm very keen to examine with you, which is certainly in my own experience, when I get involved with boards in small and medium-sized enterprises, they often have been burned by other consultants. Mm -hmm. I've had a bad experience of other consultants or are generally wary of consultancy for some reason. I'm wondering if it's true in your experience. And I'm wondering why you think it's such a common occurrence if you have found it to be true? Mm. Yes, no, I agree. I I hear the same stories. I, I have to work around the same kind of barriers that you just described. I just think that, you know, for companies, it's uh, easy to fall in the pitfall of commissioning a business consultant, not specifying completely or understanding how that relationship should work and what the output, what the deliverables are and finding themselves after three, six months having spent quite a big chunk of money for very little return. And I think that's the most common uh, occurrence is that they don't, companies don't get back enough when compared to the investment, which is not, not just the money that they, that they spend in fees and uh, the remuneration or whatever. It's also the time that the top management of a, of a business had to invest in order to engage with the, uh, with the consultant. And sometimes at the end of um, the first steps, the first few months, they have very little to show for it. And that's uh, depressing. It affects the, the level of trust that they may have of future consultants. To be honest, I, I try to avoid the word consultant uh, wherever I can because it has negative connotations for most companies. I think you raise a really interesting point about the uneducated buyer Mm. You know, a lot of the time people are just going, I have a problem. You know, it's a bit like going to the doctor, going, my stomach hurts, right? I have a problem. And I'm looking for somebody or perhaps more than one person to be able to help me solve this problem. But actually it can be very, very difficult to, um, as somebody who's not experienced in buying consultancy services, to understand 
who's actually worthy of that level of trust being invested in them and who isn't. And so it seems to me that what happens then is sometimes the best salespeople win and sometimes the best salespeople mm. aren't necessarily the best, shall we say, delivery people. Yeah. Not only is difficult for the client to select the right consultant, I often find that it's very difficult for the client to articulate actually what the problem is or what they want to get help with. They may think that they want something and that's just a symptom of actually a different, a completely different challenge that they need help with. I always say it's very, it's, to my clients, it's very difficult for you to be objective because you're swimming in it. You're inside it. It's much easier for me uh, to be objective because I'm, I'm on the outside and I can observe. And that's the other uh, privileged and a really useful service that I can uh, that I can uh, and I can offer the objectivity of uh, an experienced outside observer that can help you articulate exactly what you need because they've done it before because they've seen it before. Actually, you have to be fairly experienced to understand what the root underlying cause of those symptoms actually might be. I always talk to clients about the fact that, for example, one very common pushback we hear with the leadership teams that we work with is, we don't understand the strategy. The CEO hasn't done the good enough job of communicating the strategy for the organization, which on the one hand, you could look at and go, okay, so strategic clarity is actually an issue in this organization. But with more experience, it's possible to go, well, yes, but that can be code for all sorts of different things. It can be code for organizational morale is low and people actually are just in a sort of negative headspace and are finding any excuse to push back. It can also be code for the fact that there are low accountability levels in an organization and what is happening is that instead of acknowledging low accountability levels everybody's just pushing it back onto leadership and saying we don't have strategic clarity is a really easy way of doing that it can also be the case that people actually are fine with the strategy but don't agree with it and have some objection grounded in values or grounded in an alternative perspective. And you only get to understand those dynamics if you have lived through that a number of times, helped a lot of different organizations through it, and um, are able to spot those patterns then in other businesses as well. So it seems to me what you're saying is objectivity but also experience becomes absolutely essential because the client's diagnosis of their own problem actually not only may be inaccurate, but it may be completely wrongly rooted in terms of understanding the root causes rather than just determining what the symptoms are. Mm. No, absolutely. And um, I would extend it even further by saying that uh, even experienced clients, uh, experienced operators, when they have to 
to take decisions or to analyze the situations which are very close to them, they may still get it wrong, even if they're very experienced, because they don't have the objectivity, because it's too close to the bone, it's too close to their passions, it's too close to people that they love, or they may be going through some liquidity problems, which is a very common challenge. Hence, it's important to have someone that is not as close, that it's a bit colder, it's a bit uh, more detached, and but absolutely has got the experience. Most consultancies, I think, would describe themselves as offering an experienced and objective perspective. And I'm conscious talking to you, Barbara, that if I can say this, that we're both outliers in our industry mm -hmm. in the sense that you have been doing what you do call it consulting call it advisory work any number of synonyms but you've been doing what you do for a good length of time now well over 10 years and i have also been in the independent consulting market for 10 12 years now having owned a couple of other types of business in the past. And one of the things that preoccupies me greatly, and it goes right to the heart of what we're trying to do with the consultancy business, actually, is why is it that we are outliers? Why is it that there are so few of us who have actually been in the market doing what we do for this long? And certainly in my own case, I'm inclined to look at that with some degree of humility and go, luck might have had a part to play. You know, you get some breaks and you meet some really amazing clients and businesses, and maybe I had opportunities there that others did not, you know. But I am really interested, just for you and I to kick around, why it is you think so many consultants and so many consultancies struggle to survive what do you see as the most common reasons for failure in our market for me it's really about relationships the aspiring consultants or the consultants uh, that are not uh, quite as established uh, don't understand uh, enough uh, about uh, how important it is first and foremost to have a relationship a trusting strong, solid relationship with your clients. And in order to achieve that, you need to go the extra mile. You need to be able to be there for the client when they need you, uh, be trusted, being able to say things that the client may not want to hear, but having the right communication skills to have those difficult conversations in the most positive and constructive way. If you, if you cultivate, if you nurture a good, strong relationship with your clients, you're in there for the long run. But in order to do that, it's like any relationship in life. You need to give a little bit of yourself or your time and go the extra mile. It's like with friends. Why, why friends are friends? Because they, they would do a lot for each other and they would, uh, true friends are there for each other. I don't want to be friends necessarily with all of my clients, but and I don't think that the blurring of that uh, boundary is that important. But you need 
to forge the trust, then you need to show that you're reliable, you're knowledgeable, you're there for them, you care for their success, you care for uh, the growth of their business, uh, and it's not just a job. I think um, a consultant cannot be there just doing a job. My sense of it is there are a number of ways in which what you've just said actually shows up or can show up. So for me, in any new relationship, there's something about the first moment of truth, which is when you're able to bring an insight or a perspective into a situation or work with a client and jointly achieve a breakthrough that hadn't felt possible beforehand, even if that's quite small. I think the second one is around the moment when you, as you've rightly just said, have the difficult but necessary conversation. And can you handle that difficult or necessary conversation with grace and kindness but ultimately with directness as well. There's also, I think, a moment for me which is about can you advise a client to do something that may actually not be in your best interests but is manifestly in the client's best interests? So one of our guiding principles in my consulting practices is integrity, which means doing the right thing by the client. So we've had situations over the last few years where we've said to clients, we think it's right that we pause work with you for a while because actually your time and your money is best spent doing this stuff internally rather than with us. And then I think the fourth thing is, again, something you've alluded to, which is about that moment when you actually do go the extra mile, put something of yourself really into the frame for a client. you know. And I think any or all of those are really, really important signifiers in a client relationship and all of them seem to me to orient around a truth which is something like money follows value so in other words if i'm doing the right thing by the relationship creating value in the relationship looking after my client's best interests always putting them first showing a willingness to go above and beyond then actually in the end, business takes care of itself because reputation takes care of itself. But if I'm sitting there going, give me the money, I will do what you ask, I will deliver this project, and all of those other things, or most of those other things I've just mentioned, never really figure in your thinking at all, or figure in your thinking at the level of, we just need to take the client out for a nice dinner once or twice a year, then that quality of relationship isn't being formed in that way. My advice actually to any consultant that is starting their practice or wants to grow their practice, it's to, you know, before you accept a client, before you get into a relationship with a client, make sure that the chemistry is right. It's very, very important that you are able to invest in a relationship that has got a future because... Um, your time is finite. There will only be as many clients that you will be able to serve. Obviously, you can have uh, colleagues that can expand on that. Um, but you as a, yourself as a consultant, you cannot just be selling your time because you will hit a ceiling very, very quickly. So you need to invest your effort and your um, 
uh, intelligence and your uh, enthusiasm in those relationships that can be uh, successful. And chemistry for that is super important. How would you define chemistry? What's your own personal definition of good chemistry mm. with a client? Mm. It it can take uh, many, many different uh, um, forms. With some clients, it's important that uh, they trust you and they can rely on you. I have clients that sometimes, you know, they need, uh, they need the comforting word uh, out of office hours. And um, if I can, I'll, I'll do that. It's, uh, it's not difficult. You just need to return a call or send a text. Uh, and um, because I care for them, I don't resent it. Uh, with other clients, it's about uh, enjoying the time that you spend together. And that, that's more or less, I think, uh, also true for f- for um, the vast majority of clients, I always, I always see, you know, where clients are happy to see you, are happy to invest the time of the meeting with you, happy to do the work, to do the preparation to the sessions. I always try to have workshops, uh, not meetings, so that we can do actual work when we meet, which means you need to get there prepared or you need to send me prep work in advance. And you can always see, you know, you're, you know that you're doing something right and you're in the right place if a client is eager and um, really welcoming and really looking forward to see you. Those clients that keep on cancelling the meetings, keep on cancelling the interactions, um, you need to be very weary of because in, for me, the engagement is not, it's not right and potentially the chemistry is not right. I'm the same, you know, why, why should I spend time with people that I don't like? <laughs> I think that's completely right. And actually, as I've gone on in my consulting career, the only thing that I listen to with any new client is ultimately my energy. I find Mm. myself thinking, is my energy higher at the end of a conversation than it was at the beginning? And if the answer to that's yes, in general, I think that points to something useful in a relationship, right? It's like, and I have had conversations where my energy has kind of crashed through the floor after about 10 minutes or 15 minutes in the Mm. conversation. I just find myself thinking, I am not the right person for you. Yeah. Because if my energy is not high, I can't be giving the best that I've got anyway, you know, whether whatever the situation is. Yeah, absolutely. You need to structure your interaction with the client from a commercial point of view in a way that enables you to do that. That's why I think that, uh, you know, successful consultants, they work on retainer. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing commercial uh, relationship with the client that takes care of the time that the consultant wants to invest and can invest without any restriction. And, and also I always, you know, hope uh, and endeavor to deliver enough value whereby the retainer that, that we agree on is is not important anymore because the business has grown by so much or the gross profitability has improved by so much that uh, everything washes in uh, with that you need to be very commercially aware i think as a as a consultant you need to understand numbers you need to understand maths and you need to understand how the ratios in a company the performance ratios of a business work then you you have all the elements to craft and propose 
a commercial deal that you want to close a consultant. Sorry, I mentioned I mentioned also the more crass <laughs> commercial aspect because I think that many consultants, like when they start, they're very insecure about uh, how much to ask, how to ask for it, how to structure uh, deals, and uh, and I think it's important to um, to help them maybe orienteer that side of uh, of the equation as well. It's a huge part of what we're doing at the consultancy business. And actually, right. module four of our course, Advanced, looks entirely at pricing. And one of the things we examine there is how to price the client, not the project, by which we really mm. mean exactly what you've just said. Understand what your value is to the organization that you're working with to a point where the amount that you're charging becomes almost irrelevant because yeah. it washes through in the way that you've just described and you're right it's a huge gap in knowledge and understanding for most for many consultants if not all yeah. barbara if um anybody listening to this podcast would like to contact you what is the best way of them doing so i think through linkedin I think I'm not uh, one of many Barbara Marshall. I probably one of the few, especially in London. I monitor that uh, uh, regularly, so that's probably the best channel. And Barbara, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Phil. It was delightful. <laughs> thanks again to Barbara for a really insightful chat. And thanks to you for being with us. See you soon for the next episode of the Consultancy Business Podcast with me, Phil Lewis. Our usual episodes come out on the first Monday of every month. Remember, we're a small startup and all support we really, really welcome. Please subscribe to the podcast, share and recommend this episode to anyone you think would find it useful and do check out theconsultancybusiness.com to see all that we have on offer to help you build the consultancy nobody else can. Bye for now.